Hello and welcome once again to Podcast in the Woods. As always, I am your host, Boomer, and joining me is the wonderful and amazing Gabby. Gabby, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm hot. <laughs> it's hot. Is, it's a nightmare. It is. Oh, gosh. It is. I, I spend most of the day just sweating, and it's that is unattractive, and listeners don't need to know that. <laughs> But yeah, it is. It's miserable. And you are quite the trooper because, yes, you're just getting out of work and we have oh, we have quite a lot to do today. Um, so, yes, as always, appreciate you and you are always killing it. So, yeah, I'm excited to get into this one. And there is an additional reason why that is the case, is because we have a returning special guest with us today. It is John from Half Price Horror. Yay! How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. It's a little bit cooler here in Minnesota, and I'm down in the basement, which always helps. So, uh, yeah, that's um, okay. <laughs> that's always nice. Uh, Minnesota, Central Pennsylvania turns into the seventh circle of hell from about July till the end of September. It's disgusting and terrible. Yeah, Virginia is just nasty most of the year, regardless of whether it's summertime or wintertime. It doesn't really matter. You don't get a whole lot of relief. It's either like one day it'll be 97 degrees and you'll go back out there the next day and it's like 40. Like what is going on with this with this crazy weather? Um but yeah like like we said we are going to dive into one of my favorite films of all time. And I know that that is a big statement but it really is like whenever I, the, the first time that I actually talked about this on recording was in a kind of complete franchise view. Uh, I, I was able to guest with Ken and Ashley Sledge on on their YouTube channel an awesome channel. Love the, their work. But we were ranking our horror franchises. And I off the top of my head, I can't remember exactly where this fell. But Tomie, I believe, was like my sixth favorite horror franchise of all time. So this is near and dear to my heart. So, and I, so like I said, I'm, I'm excited to get into that one, but before we do, uh, John, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about what you do and, uh, where everybody can find you on half price horror. Sure. I have a podcast called half price horror. Uh, I take movies that I find, you know, at used bookstores and half price sales and, basically physical media for cheap and then I go and I do a deep dive into themes and production details and recap the plot and just talk about the movie and why I liked it or did not yeah it's an awesome show and listeners if you listen to podcasts in the woods you owe it to yourself to go check out what John is doing on his show it's fantastic I not only am like so entertained every time that I listen to it, but I learn so much every single time. And I know we had the, like the back and forth the other day, uh, but I really do appreciate your perspective in the way that you approach horror. I, I feel the same way. I was a mutual admiration society. Uh, I love your episodes. I loved the Dead Alive episode. I just didn't agree about the movie. You know, it <laughs> happens. That is what makes, you know, that's what makes cinema so great is two people can sit down and watch the same movie and come away with totally different experiences john what was your opinion of dead alive um i i think it is a great third act of a movie like once the house party kicks off they go into this like wildly inventive 
stuff you've never seen in a horror movie before fantastic special effects really imaginative horror everything leading up to that the middle is a little bit draggy the start has some really racist moments with uh, uh with skull island um but you know on the whole i think that it is it is a very young man just going out there and swinging for the fences and doing his tribute to uh to sam raimi and i I think it is fun for what it is. I was hoping you'd say you hated it. <laughs> yeah, no, sorry. I, I just... Yeah. I'll we, find we get, someone. You will probably find a lot of people. That's one of those movies I don't show I to most so. people because if you like it, you like it. If you don't, it's going to be a chore to endure. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It is definitely one of those ones where it's like you kind of want to hold off until someone is a little bit initiated before you just spring dead alive or brain dead on on somebody. I, I totally agree with that. Uh, yeah, it was Gabby's first time watching. She was not impressed <laughs> with it. So. No, no, I listened to the episode. I, I understand completely how Gabby feels about it. And like I said, that is one of the great things about art is that two people can have such different experiences, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Totally. And like, it kind of like segues into my, the, the question that I always like to ask when we begin these discussions out. Uh, so Tomie and we may, I, I know Gab, Gabby and I will actually watch this together and we both enjoyed the film, but it may be for different reasons. Like this was Gabby's actual first time watch. And so that's, I always like to start off by finding out what everybody's first experience with this film is. And John, I'll let you go first. And then, uh, and then Gabby, you could take it after that. Well, I first saw this, it would have been probably about 2004 or 2005 when it first was ported over to America. You know, back then you had that big wave of J horror coming over. Everything got a release here. It was a Sounds wonderful sweet. time to be alive. Yeah. Um, well, except for the real world, it was not yeah, a wonderful that, time. That's to be alive. But in movies, it was great. <laughs> um, and I was a big fan of Junji Ito, who wrote and drew the manga for this. So I had already read the manga. And when I saw that there was a movie version, I bought the entire box set pretty much sight unseen. And I remember at the time, I was a little underwhelmed not because the movie isn't good, but because it's a very not faithful adaptation of the manga. It's not, it's like a little side story to the manga that you could tuck in between a couple of other stories. And I wanted the manga. I wanted the that opening hook that's so killer in the original comic. And so I was a little bit disappointed, but this time with a little bit of distance and a little bit of perspective, I was able to appreciate this film for what it is. Nice, nice. Okay, Gabby, this is this is the first time you said that you've even heard of this movie, so I'm excited to to find out what your your perspective was. Well, to get technical, the first time I heard about this was like when I met you. I feel like this was like one of the first movies you ever talked to me about. Um, but it was good. I didn't know that there was a comic. I didn't. I don't know anything about anything with this movie, um, so I just I went into it as just a this is a movie, and I loved it. 
I had a blast with it. I thought it was really good. That's awesome. And my kind of perspective is it, it's funny. We, th- th- this may be really, really interesting because my perspective is kind of like right in the middle of, of both of yours. So I was familiar with uh, Junji Ito, but I still to this day have never read Tomie. I, I've read a few other of his uh, of his shorter works, but I have never gotten around for whatever reason to to reading uh, the manga that this is that this is based on. So I, uh, like you, John, stumbled across this 2004 2005 time frame uh, back when Blockbuster was doing all the Asian Extreme and all that stuff, you know. And they, I believe that they had this one and they had Tomie Replay, which were the the first two that I got to watch and so i knew of uh junji ito but i'd never read anything that he did so i didn't have any expectations going into this and yes this movie is a a slow burn and at the time i probably would have been what was that 23 or 24 or so when i watched this and my obviously my tastes have matured a little bit since then and so i don't know what it was um at the time that stuck out to me so much or why this movie became so ingrained in my in my zeitgeist and why i loved it so much but it was it was something that just really floored me at the time i mean there's no really overt violence there's snapshots of violence in this so it's nothing that would cater to that, you know, that young man mentality that just, you know, wants to see blood and guts and violence and all that stuff. There wasn't anything like that in this, uh, but it was still so emotionally visceral that I just adored it. Yeah, the the manga is is very different. The manga, I, I, it's a lot closer to John Carpenter's The Thing, if The Thing happened to be a Japanese schoolgirl. Okay. Um, that's uh that's pretty interesting it's interesting yeah yeah like well here they kind of like you get the little hints of it like it starts i mean if we're diving into the movie it starts with that head in the bag and we never get a really good look at the head or what's happening to it but the next thing we see there's like a child's body you know underneath it and in the manga you see that happen a lot tomi gets or tomie gets dismembered a lot she gets chopped up into pieces she gets used for organ donation she gets you know just horribly brutally murdered but every time you cut a piece off of her it grows into a whole new version of her so she keeps coming back and she keeps getting revenge on all of these people who hurt her but it's kind of implied also that they're compelled to hurt her by something about her nature, that something about her is compelling them to chop her up so that she can reproduce. And it's really weird and disturbing. I mean, they get that part across really well in the movie, that sense of obsession that everyone has with her. But in the manga, it goes to some even creepier places. Nice. And... I, that brings up a couple of points uh, that that I was thinking about, but uh, let me get into the IMDb before we before we tackle this any further. So, Tomie was released in Japan in 1998, um, and like John said, re-released in the United States in uh, 2004. 
Synopsis says a traumatized young woman is trying to recover her memories with the help of a psychiatrist. During her hypnosis sessions, she repeats the name Tomie, but is unable to recall where she knows it from. And my understanding from that is like, so kind of like you said that this was an, an aside, uh, I don't know, so the a story that would fall kind of in between some of the stories. Um, but it's it's my understanding, maybe this is wrong, that like Sakiko is kind of based on a couple of different characters that are actually in the manga. Well, sort of. The the there's a story about Sukiko and Tomie where um Sukiko winds up, she is this young woman who uh kind of is like high school paparazzi. She takes photos of cute boys and sells them to the girls who have crushes on them and vice versa. And Tomie uh, Tomie winds up um, getting her picture taken, but all of the pictures of her develop as like monstrous. Like you can see other faces growing out of her face. You can see things like other limbs growing out of her, her shoulders and the yeah. the two of them have a falling out and Tsukiko scatters these photos all over the school and Tomie retaliates by essentially sending people to have her murdered. And she escapes, Tomie gets her head cut off and that's kind of where they lead into this movie. Okay, okay, all right. Um, yeah, I just heard that and I, you know, like I said, I hadn't read that so I just wanted to wanted to clarify that that point uh gabby you're and i want to get into kind of whenever we talk about that head in the bag because that's the first thing uh that's the first kind of just crazy image uh, that we're subjected to in the film is you know you have the young man he's carrying the bag around the street and you're like there's a head in that bag and not only is there a head in the bag but then that eye opens up and you get that otherworldly like eye and like you were thinking that this was going to be like a, a zombie film. You're like, ah, oh, this is going to be a zombie film, isn't it? And I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> so um, where did not, this, yeah. yeah, where did this film like, uh, you know, come out for you as far as like your perceptions or your expectations going in um, with your experience in Asian cinema and like what you were seeing on screen and then where this went? With Asian films, not even just like the horror genre, just Asian films in general. I always go in with the expectation that I'm going to like it a lot more. And it's going to make me think a lot more. It, it was very layered. And I always go in with the expectation that there will be a lot of layers to a story in an Asian horror film, an Asian film in general. So I think that that did really well here with, you know, it's something different between American or, or you know, English speaking movies that when you have so many subplots and you have so much backstory, it can become overwhelming. It can slog it down a little bit. I've never had that experience with an Asian horror film. It just, it always flows very well. They're very, very, very good at writing. And they're very good at telling a story. They're much better than we are because we rely on, okay, so we have this side that they want to see blood and the guts and the booms and the bangs. And then we have the other side who want a story. 
we aren't good at meshing that together. And they're better than that and better at that than us. So yeah, I, it, I expected a good time. I expected a good story and I got it. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's like, so. Although uh, oh. I don't like a zombie film and you know that. <laughs> yeah. So I was a little annoyed <laughs> when I thought it was a zombie film, but you said no. And for some reason I trusted you. And for the first time I trusted you and you didn't lie to me. That's, so that's you. true. Um, I, I did not warn you about the vomit going in, but. Um, Fucking vomit. You do this shit on purpose. I, I'm I so fucking feel, tired of you and your fucking vomit movies. You know, every movie that I show you, maybe like zero have vomit in them. You can enjoy a film without vomit. You have a thing, pervert. <laughs> I'm convinced. It's a thing. So quick question. Speaking of good storytelling, I got to know, how is the subtitles for YouTube? Because the version I got had some of the worst subtitling I've ever seen. I think uh, for the most part, the the subtitles that, that we got were pretty good. There were a few things uh, that were a bit yeah. off. Yeah. Um, I mean, for instance, like they would, I mean, you it would you still knew what they were talking about. So I, I forget something, something Sakiko said uh, about doing something now and it translated as new instead of now, but like, it's like, okay, I get, I get what they're, what they're trying to say. So it was like little words here and there that were not the correct word uh, that they were saying. But uh, as far as like being able to follow the story, it, it, it was still pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I, I could still follow the story, but it was like th there were these odd sentence constructions like, you know, sometimes I am to be desiring of the ending of my life for the lack of sleep. Yeah. But it, who translated I... this? <laughs> <laughs> Did you just go word by word? I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, it's how you get all those like really, really interesting titles. And the one that I always keep going back to is uh, Bloody Muscle Bodybuilder in Hell, like is one of the most insane freaking titles that I've ever heard of in my life. But yeah, I mean, if you end up just translating, you know, the, the words instead of the actual like thought or that they are trying to convey, it, it gets really, really crazy. All right. Something else uh, that I wanted to, that I wanted to ask and Gabby, you kind of, you kind of touched on it is like, how you know we went through this whole horror renaissance in in the 90s and that was brought on by asian horrors brought on by by ringu by um cure by uh takashi mikes uh, that was early odds the the horror renaissance in the 90s was brought on by scream i mean so in america yeah. in mainstream america in the, in the 90s it was brought on by scream because everything yeah. else that came after it that was american made or english made was um slashers yeah but oh, most shit. of these movies came out in the 90s in japan um, yeah yeah they yeah we, we were a little bit behind what they were doing over there because um i i was kind of researching this uh for my episode on pulse uh which was a 2001 j horror movie and the 90s were a terrible time in japan and when you have bad economic times and bad social times and lots of unrest and lots of misery you do get really good horror and question okay keep going 
keep going, keep going. I'll ask. No, you. no, no. I'm, I, it's just like you know, the, they called the '90s the lost decade in Japan, and it was just their economy cratered uh, socially. All of the consequences of the '80s, where everyone was working, you know, morning till night, and people weren't really interacting with each other outside of the workplace all of the social consequences of that finally fell in on themselves families were falling apart um that was when you got that sarin gas attack in the subway there was a lot of political unrest and so it just kind of bubbled up to the surface in all of these horror movies has horror always been a thing in japan and other countries I just listened to um, last podcast on the left's series on the Manhattan Project. And I know that Godzilla was born from the atomic bomb and the aftermath of that. But I mean, that's horror, obviously. Has horror always been so good in Japan There's and, and other Asian countries? There's historically some really good horror movies. There's a movie, Kwai Dan, from the, I want to say late 50s, early 60s. That one's in the Criterion Collection. It's an anthology of of ghost stories. So, I mean, yeah, there's, you know, there's a lot. There's, uh, I think everywhere there's cinema, I think there's there's horror movies. You just need to go looking for them. And honestly, that is one of the things I love about horror fans is how they will go looking for the good stuff no matter where it is. You can tell somebody, oh yeah, I saw this black and white Indonesian movie with no subtitles that, you know, has this one (laughs) scene that's really cool. And they'll be like, oh, cool. I'll check that out. Yeah. Quite on. If you've never seen that is one of the most beautiful movies uh, that I've, I've ever seen the, you know, every, everything in that is just, is, is Is stunning. Um, It's, not, I mean, it's, you know, in today's aesthetic is not as scary. There are some, there are some moments, uh, some moments and it's definitely worth, uh, it's, it's definitely worth a watch. And I, I believe you can, yeah, you, it's Criterion. You can get it on, uh, Max now, not formerly HBO Max, but I believe it's streaming on Max and a few other places. So it's readily available. Yeah. Pretty much anything Criterion does, you can find on, uh, uh on Max, uh, believe i'm saying that uh <laughs> but yeah they they own the criterion channel so they ported all the movies over yeah so it like it, it's it's not it's not that hard to find i think it's it's streaming on a few different things but um you know getting back into in, into this one so when i first watched this and like we said it came out in 2004 so i'd already seen ringu i'd already seen the grudge i'd seen cure and was kind of and that's a lot of what you were getting uh here in america were those the the japanese onro or onru you know stories the the asian the asian ghost stories because that's what was made popular by the ring and you know so on and so forth um but this one is was just so different what is it about this film that stands out to uh to you guys what what, what is it that makes uh that makes tomie uh, such a, a a good movie. It's drama. You have that sense of dread. You have that sense of fear. You're, you know, 
really on the edge of your seat waiting to see what's going to happen next. Who is the bad guy? What is what are they doing? What is happening? But then at the same time, you're watching a young woman's life happen. You know, her boyfriend's cheating on her with a friend. It sucks. So, you know, when you have to question certain relationships in your life, certain aspects of your life, and then you have something supernatural going on too, it's just, you can identify with the fact that she's going through something emotional. And so you're already identifying with that. But then the fact that like, she's trying to figure out why she can't sleep. She's trying to do, you know, all of these things. And, and at the same time, as she's figuring out like, what is, what is this? What is happening to me? By the time she figures it out, it's it's gotten all of its strength. It's she can't fight it. She's been fighting it the entire time, not knowing that she was fighting it. I like that. I agree. I I think also it's it's the Junji Ito ness of it. <laughs> um, he is like you said, everything's drama. He he really does have a very psychological aspect to all of his horror he also has this like really deep intense body horror stuff going on but the creepy stuff to me is the the way that he deals with obsession like everyone in the movie is obsessed with Tomie in some way the detective is you know he's he's constantly searching through all of these old cases hoping to just catch a glimpse of her you know, everyone at the restaurant literally kills each other over her. There's, sorry, we are doing full spoilers, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Spo- okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A, a whole bunch of people kill each other. Uh, no, but I mean, you have a, you have that layer and upon layer of psychological drama. And that's really baked in from Junji Ito's story. It's It's all about all of his manga all of his horror is about people who fall into the grip of these uncontrollable fixations and obsessions that it's really relatable because we've all had that kind of thing happen to us hopefully not with these kind of consequences but still (laughs) not not gone on a murder spree yet but uh well um and every time they cut my head off what a pain in my ass No, it's a pain in the neck. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> like I I um what what I appreciate about this, and I'm still to this day, I'm I'm not sure whether and and you kind of talked about, you know, this all of these concepts being baked into the story by Junji Ito. Um, and the inspiration, obviously. It's a it's a it's a telling of his story. But I, I still struggle to figure out whether this is actually a like a really progressive movie, especially for like when he first started writing it in the late 80s, I believe. And then, um, you know, and obviously the the late 90s were was not the most enlightened time in the world. Uh, so I, I, I could not to this day figure out whether this was like unintentionally progressive and um, and I know it does have some meaningful things to say about uh, about our obsessions, about how we handle our emotions, uh, about how we treat one another, and you know, whether it's you know the men uh, that are just they they are willing to Thanks. do whatever and and fuck each other over and kill uh, 
to to have Tomie, and then when they're rejected by her, will just slaughter her. So um, you know, and kind of this aspect, and uh, Gabby and I talked about this. This there's like this element of victim blaming that we you know really have not even in until like the last couple of years or a few years began to address. And so I'm like, is this movie like really, really intelligent? Or is it like, did they stumble upon a really good message in their movie? Um, for me, it almost feels like it's it's satirizing a lot of the way society sees women. Like Tomie is everything, all of the mixed messages that we get about women. She is predatory, but she's also vulnerable. She is, you know, she is man-stealing. She is, she can't, you know, she can't have close friendships with women because she is always uh, a rival of theirs. She is a monster. She is also a victim. She's like everything that we think society tells us about women and it's she's not even real she as a result she's she's a monster because she is everything we put onto women as expectations yeah that makes like i said it makes it makes a lot of sense but it's still something that i'm like man um, i'm trying to figure out but either way um, it does have like some very, very valuable things at like, so we'll, we'll kind of get into some of the, some of the story elements in here, because again, Gabby, you touched on this, like, uh, Sakiko's boyfriend is just the worst in this. Like, I mean, he is just dick. <laughs> he is a dick. Yeah. He is gaslighting her like yeah. throughout this thing. Uh, it's, it, it's, it's crazy. And then, um, you know, and then he, ultimately uh falls victim to the to the Tomie curse but i mean yeah all the way through this movie he is just a complete piece of shit an asshole yeah i'm trying to think of a single scene where he's not a jerk in some way and it's not coming up no it's like there's even like the tender moment where they they kind of tender moment where she's making him take the take the picture and he doesn't really want to and it's just like this casual thing like oh for some reason i'm getting a boner now like, oh my god like, well i was thinking of when he makes her dinner and then he's like sitting over her going why aren't you eating like yeah dude yeah yeah Maybe like she's I'm, not fucking hungry asshole <laughs> oh, he does she doesn't want a pound of fucking pasta he put so much fucking pasta on those plates jeez it did look good though it did look good but yeah i mean he probably I ate spaghetti after the movie he did eat spaghetti but yeah he probably smells like garlic they, their whole house probably just smells like garlic because i mean that's i, I guess that's their specialty because he works in this japanese slash italian restaurant <laughs> which is super interesting no, he smells like garlic and Axe body spray. <laughs> and like Eclipse gum. And cigarette smoke. I think everyone in that movie, like everyone in that movie smoked. It was so weird to see now because you just don't see people, you know, in a in a doctor's office being like, mind if I light up? But the doctor's like, here, I'll take one too. Yeah everybody's yeah everybody's just smoking throughout this entire thing and i love that like uh 
who I call detective exposition uh, because that's like his main his main purpose in this movie. But, he, but you know, he comes in there, yeah, and he just lights up and he's like, oh yeah, um, I always, you know, I always want to ask because uh, people don't like detectives anymore because we all smoke. And she's like, yeah, that's not the only reason. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> that was that was a, a really good line. Um, but, you know, like like we've said, this this movie kind of builds really slowly. And I, so I, I want to note, like one thing that I noticed about this is it almost has like this Jaws effect where you they don't show you Tomie's face for the longest time. And I've read a bunch of different things on this, not like why they did that or anything, but just people's people's reactions to it. And some people were like, oh, it's stupid. You know, it makes no sense. And when they show her face, she's just, it's just kind of normal. So it, it makes, but like, to me, it just kind of heightened the tension throughout this. And you get some visuals, some wonderful visuals, like when she's going down the stairs and opens the umbrella or that like, and I don't know if it's an effect, if they did it on purpose, but in that pink lighting, when she's in the dark doorway, it kind of looks like her face is just, a little bit otherworldly like it's kind of alien and i don't know whether that was just a trick of the light or whether they did that on purpose but for me i found like them not showing her face throughout the entire thing just kind of built the attention for me i mean what, what about you guys i love shit being left to the imagination you know that my favorites are ghost stories and found footage where you can't see everything um i fucking loved it i love that idea i love letting us you know, let's hear about the person. Let's get our own mental picture. And, you know, beauty standards are different in, you know, all over the world. But the way that they talk about Tomie, I was expecting like, and she was pretty. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't anything like completely, she didn't look like a monster and she didn't look like a vixen. She was just a pretty girl. But pretty girls can be crazy. And I think it works especially well here because you you do get that sense of building anticipation. You're like, I want to see her. I want to see what she looks like. I want to know who she is. And that's what everyone in the movie keeps doing. They're all wanting to see more of her. They're all wanting to to take her in and and get to know her. And they're all built by this desire for her. So you kind of get a little hint of what it's like to be all of these characters. Yeah, Another and I, testament to how good this movie is, though, is I didn't even realize, Booms, I think when you pointed it out, I was like, oh, I didn't realize we hadn't seen her face. I was so engrossed in the story that I didn't even, I didn't even realize it. And then when you said that, it was like, oh. Uh, and like, that's something that stuck out to me from my very first watch. And the, the reason it did was kind of because I, I, you know, from what I, I said, that it just kind of ratcheted up this tension throughout the movie. But also when they do finally reveal her uh, her face and and like you said, Gabby, that she's it's it's like she's not a monster. She's not crazy looking uh, and she's not like just absolutely ridiculously supermodel beautiful or anything. It's kind of yeah. to me, it was like um you know, one of those things where like the, this, this monster could be in any of us, uh, like this could be anybody. And so I find, I, I found that actually kind of unsettling in a, in a way that it was like, you know, she was just kind of a normal girl. What's the Dahmer effect? 
it's you know it's it's the the monster could live right next door the monster could be driving your kids to school on the bus every morning you know the monster looks like you and me you know yeah she's pretty she's prettier than some of the other girls in this movie not all of them but a monster is a monster you can put whatever mask you want but you're still a monster See, I actually did get a little creeped out by her appearance. It was the way she smiled. She always yeah. smiled a little too wide and a little too perfectly. And it looked almost like she'd been, you know, face-tuned or something. And it it creeped me out every time she smiled. To me, when she would smile like that with the dead eyes, it was very like, oh, yeah. Like, this is somebody this is a, a soul or you know whatever you want to call her that's really been working for a long time to really um perfect the illusion to suck the people in because i mean she was good at it even as a little girl you know when when she was just that little girl size it was like i mean i think i even said out loud like oh. you know yeah. it's just like weird. And she's always smiling at the worst things, too. Yeah. You know, she only smiles at awful things. Yeah. Yes, she does. And um, also, again, um, there are some, there is some brilliant things going on, like, in this movie as far as filmmaking is concerned. Because, yeah, like, she has that crazy, the crazy smile. And it's like, she just doesn't quite understand human emotion. Either that or she just doesn't care. You know, speaking of her eyes, like her eyes are just so bright and so glassy, like compared to everyone else's in in the film. Like you go to that scene in the hospital, the end of this movie, when she's having this back and forth with Sakiko and Sakiko's face and her eyes are just flat. But uh, but Tomie's is just they're, they're just shiny almost. So it's not even fake. like, yeah. Yeah, it's just like like fake. It's and it's not even like the red eyes and all that stuff. That's creepy. But just her her natural like eyes just seem to be different than everybody else's. Her eyes were um one of the best parts of this movie. I think because they were so they were doll eyes. And I mean, I don't know. My my son has a lot of stuffies, you know. Um, but not like Barbie dolls or um but he likes to have them all lined up on his bed, you know, and arranged. And his bedroom, there, there's a point to this, you guys, I swear to God. His bedroom is at the top of the stairs. So no matter where you go upstairs in the house, you look directly into his bedroom. And when he's not home, I have his bed made with his stuffies. And it freaks me the fuck out so bad because, you know, stuffies are different now because, you know, I was a child 35 years ago. But back in the day, we still had the little plastic beady ball, uh, doll eyes. And at night, you know, you loved your dolls during the day, but at night I was terrified of my dolls because there were these lifeless glass eyes. I'm sure they're plastic, but if the moon, you know, just kind of hit at the right spot, that's what my doll's eyes looked like. And to me, having gotten into horror at a young age, they looked like death. That's all I could ever describe them as. My dolls looked like death at night. And I would turn every single one of my dolls around or upside down so I didn't see them at night because it freaked me the fuck out. And that is one of the reasons that's her eyes 
are one of the best parts of this movie. No, I wasn't laughing because, you know, I didn't know where you were going. I was laughing because it reminded me of, uh, I used to work in the home appraisal industry and I would go over people's home appraisals. And, you know, it was just things like making sure that the photo of a kitchen was a photo of a kitchen, making sure that every room had a picture, making sure that they had a sketch of the house in the report, that kind of thing, just really basic stuff. But one time I'm going through this report and I'm clicking through the pictures and I get to the kitchen and it's just dolls. (laughs) There is a doll at every seat in the kitchen table. There are dolls lining the cupboards. Click to the next photo of the living room. There are dolls seated in a row on the couch, dolls seated in a row on the floor, dolls seated in a row on top of the couch. I am like, oh my God, I am looking at somebody's horror movie. It it was the creepiest thing I have ever seen. And I just walked into it in real life and then on top of it, there was an abandoned well on the property. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's where the ah! would have gone if he hadn't told somebody where he was. <laughs> and John was selling the murder house. <laughs> yeah, that that shit creeps me out. I used to have a collection of porcelain dolls. And I actually have, I still have one. And if I'd known that we were going to get into this, I would have brought it down from, I keep it in the attic. It's an antique doll from like way 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 back in the day it has three faces oh wow Uh, yeah and you turn the head a quarter there's one sleeping one crying and one smiling and that doll freaks people the fuck out so bad (laughs) yeah Yeah, and and they were all like that they were all those really old really big porcelain dolls and we were all of us at work trying to figure out which was scarier the thought that this person always had those dolls out like that or the thought that they arranged them specifically for the visitor who was coming over (laughs) do you know what she is oh my god you guys dolls tomie she's a real doll yes did you ever look up real dolls and that's do you guys i mean like if that's something that a man wants to do that's listening good yay can i borrow some money like, if you have this much disposable, hi, I'm Gabby. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. That is what Tomie feels like. She feels like one of those dolls that somehow come to life. Yeah. And this is how everyone in Gabby's office got banned from the computer. <laughs> Thank God my bosses don't listen to this. Yeah, it's crazy, like, how everybody has these stories, like, mine wasn't personal, but, like, it affected my brother, so we had um, that, and there's a million of those, like, Robin Hood movies, but it was, like, the the B-budget Robin Hood movie with the guy, not the Kevin Costner one, but the one with the guy with a mustache, and I I don't know if y'all have ever run across, run across that movie, but, yeah, there's this Robin Hood movie, and we had the poster on our wall. And the same thing, it was like the movie would hit that poster and my brother, like where his bed was, because we slept in the same room, he he would swear up and down that the poster would be looking at him at at night. Like it's just, you know, I mean, he's got his arrow going and looking forward, but he swore up and down that 
when it got dark that that fucking poster was like looking down on him in in his bed he was just terrified of that and so it was like a couple of weeks that we had that we had the poster up in the room and then I came in there one day after school and it was just gone I was like wait what happened to the poster he's like I threw that shit away (laughs) (laughs) so yeah I, I I I get the yeah how how crazy that is and and how amazing that the I don't know use of light or whatever it is that they're that they're doing with her eyes in this in this film is um and you know going like with I don't know the the doctor visit and all this all, all this stuff there is no way that I could be hypnotized in this office like you start shining this like light in my face like that and the last thing that I'm going to want to do is relax also hypnosis does not work to recover lost memories you know it's actually really bad for that it's the opposite of recovering lost memories it will make up new ones i heard it works for quitting smoking though oh it it absolutely works for quitting smoking my wife uh is a certified hypnotherapist so you know really? she does yeah yeah um but it does not work for recovering memories. And what it will do is it will it will cause you to, uh, I think the term is confabulate memories, to make up memories that you will be convinced really happened to you. And like that was a source of a lot of the satanic panic stuff in the 70s and 80s is people would get hypnotized and recover these memories of being abused by their their friends or their families or their teachers. And they would be just nonsense, you know? And just impossible memories, like rooms that didn't exist, things like that. Okay, so question. Trying to drop like 10 pounds, right? Does hypnosis work for weight loss too? It does, but it's it's very hard to take off weight in general because your body... like. Responds meta- uh, metabolically. It, it will say, "Oh, I'm not getting as much food as I was. I, you know, I'm expending more calories than I was. It's time to slow down our metabolic rate so that we can keep that that food that may be required to fend off starvation." So it'll work, but it's any weight loss is tricky, even like chemically induced. I mean, my wife had gastric bypass surgery and even that has a higher failure rate than they're willing to tell you about. Well, that makes me sad. One of my girls at work is having it done. She's really excited. I mean, I, I won't tell her that. It does work. Yeah. It does work for some people. You know, any weight loss method will work for some people, but none of them work reliably. Mm-hmm. Back to the cocaine. <laughs> yeah. And that's why you don't want to smoke cigarettes and cocaine. The best weight loss option. Stop telling people my secrets. We've got a new, we've got a new diet plan for you. Just pack, drop that bag right on the fucking desk. Going to be your new diet book: lose weight the Gabby way with cigarettes and cocaine. Don't forget the cheap vodka. Cheap vodka. With that and chasing your cat around. <laughs> she can do whatever she don't care um by the way everyone i don't actually do cooking 
<laughs> I literally just try not to eat ever. Just hear, hear sirens in the background. <laughs> no, I swear. I like no, the tag. Just, just on the off chance that my ex-husband is ever listening to this, I don't do that. Okay. Promise. The disclaimer from the podcast, Gabby doesn't do cocaine. John doesn't have a real doll. Yeah. <laughs> Boomer has both. Cocaines yeah. and real dolls. Yeah. And he is <laughs> he is also obsessed to the point of murder. I just got all the vices. <laughs> the cocaine is for the real doll, though. I mean, you know, it's got vices. <laughs> Sprinkle. Now, I want to see that picture in an appraisal package. It's a real doll. Just set up at a table next to a bunch of big fat rails, <laughs> with like with like mascara tears painted on her cheeks. Oh, that got dark. I love no, this. no, <laughs> that's that's <laughs> actually a, that's actually a selling point. It com this comes with the house. It's like a free benefit. <laughs> it's staged for sale, and uh, we see at the end of this movie how you need to treat a used real doll. <laughs> <laughs> Take it outside and light it on fire. Sing that episode over. Best line ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, Although well, in I'm... defense of people who have real dolls, did you guys ever see Lars and the Real Girl? It's no. a Ryan Gosling movie. It's I have beautiful. not. It's, I, I really love that movie. It's really, really touching. Really, really good movie. So it's from... I don't know, it's probably like 10 or 15 years old at this point, but it's a great. Anybody listening, you need a break from horror. Larson the Real Girl. It's really good. And Ryan Gosling. Well, you need a heartwarming story about a man and his doll. Then we it was, have it was, actually, it was a really sad movie. <laughs> See, Ryan Gosling always feels like a real doll to me. <laughs> a guy version of a real doll. I am so excited for Barbie. Which I was going to yeah See, transition. That's the, part, that's the part he was born to play. Yeah. When you say I'm casting Ryan Gosling as a Ken doll, I'm like, yeah, that is no perfect casting. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I love Margot. And Margot Robbie. is Barbie. Yeah, I love Margot Robbie, but yeah. but still, yes, like you're right. Like Ryan Gos Gosling just embodies that the doll aspect. I get that. That's funny. Yeah. Or or in the Blade Runner sequel where he played a replicant, I'm like, yep, that is smart casting. There's always just something kind of plastic and and cold about him even in his even though i like his movies and i like his acting he just always feels very detached yeah uh, do you think that they make a male real doll oh yeah looks like ryan gosling well, like I are don't... you allowed to make them look like celebrities or would you have to like license their image you would probably have to license their image um i mean you could probably get pretty close i don't no, I'm not an expert, but I, I would imagine that there's a lot of legal ramifications of making sex dolls of celebrities. Searching Jensen Ackles' sex doll right now. No. <laughs> I will never understand men's obsession with Jensen Ackles. I mean, he's cute, but like you guys fucking love every, every hetero-ish man that I know. Like, He's a very handsome man, Gabby. He's a very I handsome love man. Jensen Ackles. No, which, I think Ryan Gosling better. Is he Sam or Dean or one of the other guys? He is Dean. 
he is okay. he's, yeah, he's the one that's always going like this yeah con- controversial take but i watched uh, an episode and a half of supernatural i'm like that's enough for me thanks so i agree like i i like okay i i i'm a little warmer on it than you are but i like the first season and a half when it's like kind of a monster of the week i thought it was entertaining but once they recycle the same damn devil plot like over and over i got through probably four or five episodes of season three i'm just like i'm done i don't care i just don't care i have a friend who's obsessed with it i've never seen it but i know everything about it because he loves that show it's like it's two dudes being the most toxic masculine guys you can imagine (laughs) Boomer, I, I'm I'm a little concerned at how big your smile got talking about toxic masculinity. I just I enjoy. I mean, so you much, went ironically. from like smile to like ear to ear. I I worry. He just knows I'm right. You know, it's, it's true. Like, yeah, yeah, it is. It is it. absolutely true. They are the most, Gabby. You would say the most hoggish guys. Like protagonists put to put to film they're like uh almost almost not uh like less funny worse ash williams characters i was gonna say they're like ash williams but the show doesn't know that you're not supposed to root for ash williams necessarily (laughs) yeah like the show does not know that ash is not a good guy So do you think that if Jensen Ackles and Jared Padalecki weren't as attractive as they are, do you think that that show would have been as successful? Oh, no. No. It's a beefcake show. I mean, I've seen Jared Padalecki and other things, the Friday the 13th remake. Dude can fill out a t-shirt, a tight t-shirt pretty well. I'll say that. Yeah, but he is a big block of wood. Uh, I mean, he's he's kind of the worst. (laughs) What about wasn't Jensen Apples in uh, the My Bloody Valentine remake? He was. Yep, he was. I like uh, that movie. I did. I like that. I I like that movie too. I loved. I loved the original, and I loved the remake. Yeah, like '90s aughts CW WB stars were to horror as like '80s soap opera actors were. You know, it was like, I got a few days off. I'll go out and I'll film your movie. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, yeah. Every one of them. It's like, oh wait, I know who that is. <laughs> yeah, and none of this has anything to do with Tony. So <laughs> it's a good discussion, though. This is a great discussion. Welcome to podcast in the woods. Home of the <laughs> yeah, welcome to tangent in the woods. <laughs> I love that though. Um, one of the things that I really, really like about this is just the tagline in the film: "Tony A can't die." Uh, I mean that that sets you up for so much. Because like the tension derives in this, not from whether they can find a suitable outcome or whether they can stop this character. Because, you know, in American horror, a lot of times, yes, we have we have plenty of downer endings and I get that. Uh, but it's not nearly as nihilistic a lot of the times as as Asian horror is. And I really like that the the tension this derives not from like whether that they they can stop her, but just will anybody survive this encounter with Tomie? I agree. I think also a lot of the tension comes from resolving this question of what happened between Siko and and Tomie. You know, you have this. It, that's why it feels like such a good slow burn to me instead of a bad slow burn. Like the worst slow burn movies are the ones where you're like, 
either it's really obvious where they're going and you're just taking time to get there or you don't know where it's going and you don't care because they haven't invested anything compelling. But this has this really nice driving mystery of what is it that, you know, is making Susiko have nightmares every night of herself covered in blood. And you just, you, it reels you right in. And I think that that's where a lot of the tension lies for me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think that it could have been done a little bit better than than the way that they they did. I kind of wish that we would have got a little more flashbacks, but the, the ones that we got were pretty were were pretty gnarly, and I, I I did like that. But I I kind of wish that we would have we would have gotten a little bit more on what led up to all the craziness that that happened with her in the past with Tomie, and just kind of get to see their dynamic before before all you know all this stuff happened in the movie so for all the sequels that this movie has there's no prequel that tells that backstory no go ahead john uh there's the prequel but it doesn't tell that backstory it tells the first story in the manga which is what i wanted Uh, to see it's it is one of the best hooks in a horror movie ever like or in a horror story ever i love the original opening to tomie where it's it's like these students out on a class field trip in nature and tomie goes to her teacher and says you need to tell your wife about us soon because i'm pregnant and he winds up killing her and the class all agrees to help keep the secret by cutting up her body and each taking a piece away with them so that they're all complicit and nobody can tell the cops and just when you think it's yeah. going to be like this yeah i mean it's it's a it's an impressively gross start and just when you think yeah. it's going to be yeah. this like kind of guilt causing them to turn on each other i know what you did last summer type thing the next day tomie just walks into class going hi guys and everyone is like no that should not happen you should not be but they can't tell anybody why without admitting that they murdered her so cool yeah Yeah. it's such a great hook and the the detective kind of mentions that in passing but you don't get that story and that was that really bummed me out the first time i saw this i i i i do like i like that one i i like a lot of the sequels that are in this movie we're gonna dive into the sequels or anything let's let's talk about the ending in 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 this in this film because it is all kinds of bonkers where you get the confrontation and then uh saigo uh and i know i'm pronouncing that wrong but uh he decapitates her and then and then she like comes back to life as just this headless corpse and then it flashes over to uh seiko running down running down this dock the next day uh or is this in her head uh and then she she burns uh tomie alive after tomie says that they are one and i i know like it is it is weird and confusing uh but i kind of love it it's a great ending it's the kind of ending that when it's over you go god i want more like yeah it is. I, I think I kind of had a different point of view on it than maybe you two did, because there's another story in the manga, and I think they adapt this for one of the sequels, 
where some of Tomie's like organs get into a person's body. She gets like a kidney transplant and Tomie is the donor and she starts turning into Tomie. Literally her body starts changing. Her hair starts growing out to be that same shade and length. She gets the beauty mark on her eye. So when you get that I am you and you are me and she looks in the mirror and she's got the same beauty mark, I'm like, ah. Yeah, I, I, I noticed that too. And I, like I pointed that out to Gabby. It's like, um, I just didn't know. I didn't get like <laughs> what was actually like what time period had passed or whatever um, in this. But I, I did get that she was becoming Tomie. And I, I thought maybe it had to do with when um, when Tomie kissed her. And so maybe like even because because Tomie can regenerate from anything like i mean the smallest bit whether it's hair or like you said organs or even blood i think i think they used like blood one time and so i was thinking that okay because she kissed her and maybe you know transferred like some saliva uh to her that she started and that that's what began or that's what started her transformation see now i i don't know anything about any of the other movies i mean i know that there are more because searching for this movie i know about the manga because you touched on it a little bit booms and then of course more deep diving with you john um i actually thought that if this were a standalone that is one of those really cool endings to a movie that you know because sukiko's having all of this stuff happen to her throughout the movie she's going through she's going through it like she's having a rough time also she's doing all of these things that it would have been a really um generic but very well done twist that yeah she is Tomie she did all of this that is that is the the uh initial that if I hadn't watched this with you booms and I didn't know anything about this I would that's probably what my assumption would have been I can see that as an interpretation especially at the end with Tomie's face popping in behind her in the mirror you know yeah. I could definitely see that that idea yeah. but I like the idea that they took that twist and then kind of twisted it in another way that um you know Tomie says you know I am you we are one like we you know we're the same in that you killed me and now I'm gonna kill everybody else and every time you look in the mirror, you're going to see me because all of the bad things that happen in your life are because of me and you. You did this to yourself, which that's a heavy fucking ending. And I think that is, that's a really common thread with the Tomie stories is that Tomie always blames other people for essentially just being in her path. You know, it's it's always like, well, if you hadn't done this, if you hadn't done that... And it's like, no, lady, you did this to them. You killed these people. It's a girl thing. Not to get into, like, gender stuff. And I know somebody's going to be mad at me for this. Some female's going to be mad at me for saying this. But, like, no, it's your fault. I am a, I'm a very gentle, lovely person until you piss me off. You know, I, that's just, that's just me. Well, I, I think it's I think it's a narcissism thing, you know. I don't necessarily think narcissism is more guy or more, you know, is gendered, but 
I do think that is the narcissist's way of looking at it is it's like, you know, well, I didn't, I didn't tell them to kill the doctor. I didn't tell them to kill each other. They just did it. <laughs> this was explained in the film though, Booms. You didn't explain that to me. Mm-mm. That they talk about this, don't they? That Tommy always was like, nothing was ever her fault. Right? Yeah. Or did I have a dream last night? No, no, no. Like, I mean, it's not, um, I, I guess it's not like, you know, in the very strictest stance uh, stated that, that that happens, but you kind of get that, you know, when everybody starts going crazy around her, uh, whenever you get the the staff at the restaurant that just murder each other. Um, I mean, Tomie didn't tell them to do that. Um, and the same thing with what John was talking about, where uh, the boyfriend, uh, you know, shitty boyfriend just murdered the the hospital staff. And she's like, well, I didn't, I didn't tell him to do that. But it's, you know, um, it's her influence over these people that are causing them to like commit these atrocities. Okay, but it's the same as saying like, oh, I, I really love sunflowers. You know, I, I love when I have sunflowers in my in my kitchen window. I, I I love I love the color of a sunflower. And you say it for three weeks and your husband doesn't bring you home any sunflowers. He didn't hear you. You know, you, you could say or or he comes home one day with sunflowers because she's not saying go buy me a bouquet of sunflowers. You know, like she's not saying, hey, go kill these people. It's it's influence. Yes. It's an uh, it's a supernatural influence. And and also there's that, you know, exchange at the end when uh, when Tsutsiko's tied up and Tomie is like, do you know what it was like to have your best friend suddenly look at you and see a monster? And it's like, yeah, that's because you're murdering people, you know? Like, you don't get to be mad about that. You don't get to seek revenge at her for being horrified by you. Yeah, I mean, she is kind of, I mean, she is kind of a shit, but I, I love how savage she is. That speech that she gives where she's like, you're going to grow old and marry some ugly man and raise stupid children. And I'm always going to be pretty. I was like, that's fucking boss. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's a great movie and a great speech. I do, that is one of the places where the translation, I want them to do a proper translation of this movie and put it out like on Blu-ray or something, you know, just so that it gets that treatment it deserves. Yeah, if we is could get- Is there an available like physical copy, like media? Like, can I had to it? buy- like- I had to buy mine off of eBay. It's it's been out of print oh, wow. for ages. Yeah, yeah. Wow. It's 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 hard to get your hands on on this film. Yeah, we we need like an Arrow Blu-ray re release or, or something where yeah somebody picks this up and yes do, does like the proper work on this. And I would love a commentary on it from you know the the director. Uh, that I mean it would it would be so much fun. That's shocking. Because the manga must be extremely popular. The movies must be extremely popular if they have that many. It's it's crazy to me that there's not like a... Somebody doesn't still print it. It's weird. We're in a weird era of media right now. It is... All of the DVDs are going out of print because everyone's like streaming is the future. But also there's so many streaming services fighting over the same content 
that stuff will drop off of streaming or move to a different service or or just vanish and you just can't see a lot of stuff right now yeah it's it's crazy like how hard it is to get even some of these really really popular films like it's 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 hard to get your hands on ju on it's hard to get your hands on shutter it's hard to get your hands on gp uh 406 um even um i mean you can find you can find a lot of copies of ringu but you cannot find like an you know a remastered uh copy of of ringu it's 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 insane well and it's not just older movies too like the empty man came out in 2020 that was you know three years ago and there's no physical release unless you can buy a red box rental copy off of ebay and it's been pulled from every streaming service that movie just doesn't exist right now i think you can i think you can rent it on amazon prime but it does not exist anywhere it's just so frustrating to know that these really good cult classics aren't able to get the audiences they deserve they're not able to build slowly through word of mouth the way they did in the 80s and 90s and aughts because they're not getting a release yeah it's it's still it's, love going out and buying dvds I, I still do it i went to best buy this week and they said no we are we have taken out our entire dvd section there will be an end cap with new releases and that's it and this that's is insane. remember that this, bin at walmart yeah this is the flagship best buy too like this is the best buy that is wow. next door to the best buy corporate headquarters because uh, that's here in richfield if best buy if this particular best buy is doing something they are doing it because corporate has told them to do it and they know that the ceo of the company can stop by on his way home from work to look in on the store and see how it looks i wouldn't want to work there <laughs> oh god no no never uh, under no so pressure yeah he just comes in there like undercover boss with like a fake beard like Hmm. I love undercover <laughs> boss. Tell me your sob story. Like, hey, random employee, why are you asking me about my history? Yeah, I liked undercover boss, but I always thought at the end they should be told, no, you don't get your old job back. You're stuck in the low end retail <laughs> position forever. Yeah. So, I mean, if that is not, uh, if 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 that is not any uh, a reason to go out and purchase physical media I don't know what is because yeah it's it's becoming like a, a, a scary time like if you if your favorite movies leave your streaming service it's hard to get a hold of so man when they're when they're available I'd buy those things if you can if you can afford them I think that we've done a pretty good job of cutting this bitch's head off so uh before we get into our ratings is is there any final thoughts that either of you have on Tomie? Like like Gabby said, it's a beautiful drama. You will get sucked into the character stuff and be really interested in where everything's going almost before you even realize it's a horror movie. You'll you'll get kind of sucked into that and then you'll be at the end like, oh, oh, this went dark. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I agree with that. All right. Well, uh, we will get into our ratings, uh, and on this show, as as you guys know, we rate on a scale of one to five. And, oh shit! I did not mean to do that. Um, you <laughs> wake do? up! <laughs> I just I just smacked my my beer glass. 
Uh, so yeah, I was just waking everybody up. Um, and we will let our guests. Okay. Oh, good. Well, maybe that's not in there and people just think I'm crazy. All right. Um, we'll let our guests first. And John, I know that you're not the biggest fan of, of the, you know, rating movies, uh, like that, but, um, you can give your final plug for the film if you want, or on a scale of one to five, you can rate Tomie however you feel. I mean, you're right. I don't I don't usually do number ratings or, or letter grades. I just kind of feel like, you know, it's it's better to hear someone talk about how a movie made them feel. But this is a movie that made me feel really happy. I'd watched it. It's it's such a beautiful drama. It's such a beautiful mystery. You will wind up getting sucked into the lives of these characters. They feel like real people with real stories. There's not really anybody who's cardboard or boring. Um, and and by the end, yes, it does go to some very horrific places, even if it's not a gory horror movie. That you know, the director said he didn't want to do that kind of movie, and I can respect that. Uh, but it it does have a couple of headless bodies if you're someone who needs some gore in your life. So yeah, I would say this is this is well worth tracking down. Give it a watch. Find it on eBay. Y- you won't regret it. Nice. All right. So John rates this watch it out of five. I love it. No. <laughs> Gabby, I'll let you go next. Three and a half. Okay. It was good. It was really good. Um, I never would have sought it out. I don't know that I'll ever have a desire to watch it again. Maybe if if one day we don't have anything else to watch, you say, let's watch one of the sequels. I would maybe say yes, but I would probably try to find something else first. Damn it. it was, was good. Say that. Yeah, it was really good. <laughs> also, the production awesome. values drop off on the sequels. Like, they're still good, but they're cheaper looking. Mm. Yeah. I mean, they are. The The fourth one, though, is directed by uh, Takashi Shimizu, who did uh, the Juon franchise. So and it's it is really well directed, even if it doesn't look as good. It's it. Uh, he he really holds that movie together. And I enjoy I really, really enjoy that one. But um, for me, uh, I'm going to give this movie four out of five. Uh, it's like I said, it's really really great it it makes me feel uncomfortable it does a lot with psychological horror uh and it feels like and i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna preference this i know this sounds bad it feels longer than it really is this movie is only a hundred uh or an hour and 35 minutes and i mean that in a good way because it builds so much into the story and you get so much lore and there's so much happening that it just feels like a full and complete film. I really, really enjoy it. And like, like you said, Gabby, like if, if this, if this was to be a one-off, uh, it would be, it would still be a a phenomenal film and does not need to rely on any outside sources or anything like that. This is purely stands alone as its own thing, and it's amazing to me. I love it. So four out of five, uh, headless Tomie corpses, uh, or four headless Tomie corpses out of for me it's it's amazing all right uh so we we did it and it's funny because i put this out on the social medias you know how i always like to to get everybody else's opinion and we got one answer i honestly don't think that that many people have seen this movie uh which makes makes me sad but kind of excites me because if you're listening to this show like john said seek this movie out i know it's kind of hard to find but it's well worth it to check this one out it's amazing 
Um, but we did get we did get a response from uh, Dewey Pod Monster Friends of the Show who said that they that they have not seen this film. And based upon hi guys, uh, hi hello to you all. And based upon my proclivities, thought that this was going to be full of schlock. But no, I do have some taste every now and then. And this is <laughs> this is one of the times. You guys, Boomer picked a good one this week. <laughs> Not everything I like includes chainsaws and lawnmowers, I promise. But it does uh, include vomit. It does include <laughs> vomit is very artistic, Gabby. It's very artistic. It it, it displays a, a a sense of losing control of yeah, yourself. Yeah, and I have a feeling it gives you a boner too. <laughs> uh, but. No. I do know what you mean. Like one of those secret joys of being a podcaster is when you find out that you've done an episode on a movie that almost nobody has heard of. And you're like, oh, somebody is going to see this movie because of my podcast and they are going to have their minds totally blown. It is going to be the best thing for them. Yeah. Yeah. So after the fact, if if somebody watches this, uh, reach out to us on uh, on the social medias. And uh, let us know what you think about this one. I'd be I'd be interested to know what your thoughts are. Um, and you know, one more time, uh, John, I want to just say thank you so much for coming on the show today. Um, I'm glad that we started this discussion. I know that you brought up Tomie in another review that we had we had done, and I'm like, let's just cover that one. Um, so I'm thankful that you kind of uh, you know reignited that for me, and uh, that you came on the show today. Well, I mean, anytime you want to have me, both of you, I mean, I love your podcast. I am always honored to be able to come on. So thank you for having me. And, you know, whenever you need a guest, just hit me up. Oh, we sure will. We sure absolutely will. Yeah, like said, yeah, yeah we, we we absolutely love your show and, and love having you on here. And you can find us on the socials on Twitter and Instagram at Woods Podcast One. Uh, you can also download the Slasher app, and Gabby runs that one along uh, with our Facebook page. So if if you do not like to talk to Boomer and you hate his opinions, then you can talk to Gabby on the Slasher app, and that is Podcast in the Woods. Also Facebook, you can you can search for Podcast in the Woods, and we are on there. We're, we do have a Patreon if you would like to support us in that way, and that is uh, patreon.com. Bye, Christina. And yeah, I was getting to that, I promise. <laughs> Shut up, she's my best friend. I can say it first. All right, all right. Uh, yes, hello, Christina. Uh, but Gabby said it first. And uh, that is patreon.com forward slash woods podcast. Uh, but if you would just like, if you like what we're doing, uh, leave us a five-star review on whatever uh, podcasting app that you listen to. We really appreciate it. And like I said, all those descriptions for John's show, Half Price Horror, will be down in the descriptions. You owe it to yourself to check out all of the wonderful, wonderful things that he's done and covered. It's an amazing show. Highly recommend it. It's fantastic. And that is it for us this afternoon. We're recording kind of early. So say good afternoon, Gabby. Bye. Bye. And until next time, stay scurry.